This is the Weekend Wager with Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Yankees fans, it's Aaron Boone. Catch me every Thursday at 4 on the Michael K Show. WEPN-FM, New York. A good karma brand's radio station. Is Sports Center. Steve Lennox, three NBA playoff games on the schedule on this Friday night. Two on ESPN, including the Hawks and Heat from Atlanta. Fourth quarter right now in Atlanta. Heat up 98-90. Miami trying to take a three games to none lead in the series. Miami's Kyle Lowry did leave the game in the third quarter with a left leg injury. He will not return. Third quarter on ABC TV. Bucks up 19 at the half on the Bulls. Now leading 70 44. The West top seed, the Phoenix Suns, on the road tonight in New Orleans for game three against the Pelicans. That game will tip shortly after the conclusion of uh, Heat and Hawks in Atlanta on ESPN TV. Series even at one and one. Suns tonight without Devin Booker. He suffered a grade one right hamstring strain in game two on Tuesday. ESPN NBA reporter Andrew Lopez on what CJ McCollum has brought to the Pelicans since being traded from Portland to New Orleans. This was what they needed. This is why they went out and made that trade at the deadline and you know maybe if the play-in tournament isn't a thing they don't make that trade because they were so far back but cj has been key in this turnaround andrew lopez earlier today on espn radio pelicans brandon ingram 37 points 11 rebounds nine assists and the pels game two victory on tuesday sixers can close out their first round playoff series with a sweep against the raptors on saturday espn's adrian warjanowski and ramona showburn reporting today joel Embiid expects to play in game four but right now is dealing with significant pain and discomfort in his right thumb and beat could undergo an MRI to determine whether or not there is ligament damage in that thumb. Hornets have fired head coach James Borrego. He is out after four seasons. Hey, it's Greeny, and we couldn't be busier. All the NBA playoff action, and of course, we're entering the week of the NFL draft. We'll cover it all. It's Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Uh. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. The weekend wager with Anita Marks starts now. Dollar, dollar. Anita Marks with you. It is weekend wager here on 98.7 ESPN brought to you by. BetMGM, that's right. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet. BetMGM Sports. And we are in the thick of the NBA playoffs. Let's bring you up to speed right now. Fourth quarter. Uh, you've got the Heat up on the Hawks. 98-90. to 90, About six minutes left in this game. Uh, full transparency. I like the Hawks here. I like the Hawks getting the points. They're getting one and a half. I also, and, and I just want to bring up the, the box score here. I also liked um, Trey Young over 27. I got it at 26 and a half, but over 27 and a half points. Right now, he only has 14. And you really have to tip your hat to the Miami Heat and the coaching staff and, and what they've been able to do in, in limiting Trey Young. And I, I said this, hopefully folks watch Daily Wager today. Um, I'm on typically four, three, four days a week on uh, ESPN2 from 6 to 7 p.m. Uh, but I just felt like 
you know, the, the series so far in, in the way that Trey Young and, and, and this Atlanta Hawks team has been playing is, is very out of character in regard to how they've been able to play, especially at home. Uh, this season, uh, they came into the postseason as the uh, team with the fewest turnovers per game, and they've had 37 turnovers in two games against the Miami Heat. Um, also, Trey Young has been, especially the second half of the season after the All-Star break, it's pretty much how we right align the season, and... Um, he during the the regular season he was shooting 38 to 40 percent from behind the three-point line in in this series against the Miami Heat he's at 30 percent and I, I'm, I'm trying to see I want to call up some of his stats here so he's one for four from downtown tonight so just to kind of give you an idea that you know, it's it's worse than 30%. So, um, you know, it's just a very uncharacteristic performance for Atlanta, which, by the way, now it's 98 to 95. So Atlanta, I mean, listen, uh, you know, hopefully they cover. Um, where I'm going with this is just to say that uh, Eric Spolstra, head coach of the Miami Heat, and the way the Miami Heat has been able to play defense in regard to uh, you know the 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 switches that they're able to make on the defensive side of the ball, um, and then offensively, uh, the way they rotate the ball uh, is is really really fantastic. And this is a reason why the Miami Heat uh, came into the postseason as the number one seed in the East for all these reasons. Young, by the way, put up over thirty points in thirty six games this season in the NBA. So again, I was expecting the Hawks at home. Um, their backs are to the wall. Of course, they're down two games to the Miami Heat. Um, I really thought that uh, this would be a different game for uh, for Trey Young. But again, he only has 14 points on the night. But there are a number. There's one, two right now. I'm looking at the 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 box score: Gallinari, Hunter, Young, Werter. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. So there's six players on the Hawks roster that are in double digits, which is great for them. Um, in regard to the Miami Heat, you've got Butler. He's not putting up 40. He's not putting up almost 50 points this game. He has played 34 minutes, but he's got 17 points. Um, <laughs> Bam has 10 rebounds. Uh, just to kind of give you an idea, uh, Butler also has seven assists. So uh, the Miami Heat, a little bit more e- even keel. Also, one thing that I saw in this series is uh, the Atlanta Hawks really haven't been getting, this is a very physical, chippy series, and the Atlanta Hawks have not been getting, specifically Trey Young has not been getting a lot of calls. He's not the biggest guy on the court, that's for sure. Right. And so uh, he relies on a lot of those calls and he relies on getting to the free throw line and he is not in this series. So anyway, that's where that's where this game stands right now. Again, uh, Atlanta, they're down to Miami right now. One oh one to ninety eight with about three minutes left in the game. So we'll see uh, again. Um, I had the Hawks plus one and a half. I'm really hoping that they cover. Uh, don't believe, obviously, that uh, Trey, Long, Trey Young is, is going to be able to surpass that 26.5, 27.5 point total that I saw prior to uh, the game tipping off. Um, the other game, of course, that's going on right now is the Bucks and the Bulls. And this is another game. Again, full transparency. If you saw me on Daily Wager, I was way off here. I really thought the Bulls at home 
would be able to uh, to, to really give the Bucks a run for their money, especially since. Uh, you know, Middleton has been out. So now Middleton is out. He's going to be out for, they're saying anywhere between two to three weeks because of an MCL sprain. We'll see. But he's averaging 20 points a game, five rebounds, five assists. He's their second, her second leading scorer for the Bucks outside of Giannis. So I really felt that, that losing him would, would really be a huge problem for the Bucks tonight. Um, but that has not been the case. So right now the Bucks are up on Chicago, 75 to 51. Giannis has 18 points, six rebounds. Uh, that's another thing. I was expecting uh, one of my other prop bets that I do that I did like heading into this matchup was Giannis um, having over 13 and a half rebounds. He's got six right now. Portis has 12 rebounds on the night and 12 points. So he's already he's already uh, lo- clocked logged a double double. Um, another another prop bet that I did like was Holiday over 21 and a half points. He has 15 points because of no Middleton. When Holiday does play, Middleton is out. Holiday averages 28 points a game, so that's why I like the over. We're still we're about four four five minutes left in the third quarter, so there's still a lot of playing time to be left. I do believe Holiday will surpass that 21 and a half points for sure. We'll see if Giannis can surpass the 13 and a half rebounds. Again, right now he's at six, but Portis with 12 rebounds on the night. Milwaukee up 75 to 51 against the Bulls. DeRozan only has nine points. One thing heading into uh, this matchup that I was, I was really uh, keeping an eye on obviously was DeRozan. Uh, you know, what, what type of game would he have? Only nine points. And we're already again, about four or five minutes left in the third quarter. That's not good. Um, and Zach Levine, 12 points as well. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, this, this game more of a surprise for me because again, I thought Middleton, uh, the Bucks not having Middleton was, was going to be more of a, of, of an issue for them and more of a factor, especially with the Chicago Bulls at home. Uh, that that's a great arena to play in. I, I know the fans were really excited to have the Bulls back at home in Chicago and uh, and and this was a must-win game for them as well. Uh, the other game, of course, and it just started, and that's the Suns going up against the Pelicans. This game, we're about just a few minutes in, six minutes into the first, and another game where we're talking about a star player who's out, and that's Devin Booker, who's not going to be with the Suns for the next two to three weeks because of a hamstring issue. Um but I did like the Suns heading into this matchup. Again, the game just started. It just tipped off. Uh, Pelicans are up 12 to 10. But without Booker, uh, there were some prop bets here that I really liked. And, and, and it's my best bet on the night. And, and that's Cam Johnson over 19 and a half points and rebounds combined. So where do we stand right now? Uh, Cam's got five points on the night. So uh, that, that play is looking quite good. Uh, he's got five points and one rebound, so he's already got six in 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 regard to that prop bet. Um, Chris Paul, two assists on the night so far and three points. Obviously, with no Booker, he, here's what the difference is. Middleton not being on the court for the Milwaukee Bucks, they have a losing record. Booker not being on the court for the Suns, they actually still have a winning record. And a big reason why is, A, the Suns have so much depth. And it's not, just, it's not just about having depth that's healthy. It's having depth that 
when they come in and they're ready to perform, they're delivering in a big way. And, and that's what you're seeing with the Suns. So especially with Bridges um, and, and a number of other players that I'm sure we're going we're gonna to see uh, take uh, center stage tonight. So um, this is going to be a good one. Again, I do like the Suns. The spread wasn't – it was minus one and a half. So pretty much in, in, in essence, it was a pick em. But again, my best bet tonight was Cam Johnson over 19 and a half points and rebounds combined. Uh, so hopefully that can uh, – that, that, that will hit for you. Um, again, if you did watch Daily Wager and you saw that show earlier today, uh, if, 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 if the Pelicans do win this game, a big reason is, is going to be because of Ingram. He's really been the straw that has stirred this Pelican drink, let's be honest. Uh, right now he's got five points, two re- rebounds, one assist. McCollum, I feel McCollum, I think you can argue whether it's McCollum, whether it's Derek White with the Boston Celtics, um, two of the best gets fines uh, for the trade deadline heading into uh, the second half of the NBA. He's got three points right now, two assists. Uh, another prop bet that I liked heading into this game was over under five and a half assists from McCullum. And I like the over. Uh, he's been averaging six assists a game and he's got 15 total in the first two games in this series. And he's already got two on the night. So hopefully that will hit as well. So throughout the course of the night, I will keep you on top of, uh, of course, all three scores in this game, the prop bets as well. Um, right now, the Hawks are up on uh, on the Miami Heat, 107 to 104 with about a minute 41 left in this game. So again, uh, I, I did like Atlanta coming in at home. They play a lot better at home than they do on the road. And, and I think uh, considering that uh, the Miami Heat are up 2-0 in the series, I, I think the sense of urgency here obviously was with Atlanta coming into this matchup. This is the Weekend Wager with Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. The Hawks take care of the Miami Heat 111-110. to Hey now! Uh, Butler with a last-minute three-point shot. Uh, he tossed up, hit the rim, bounced off. Uh, I want to give you the, the box score here. So uh, I loved Atlanta coming in. I, I Give me the points. I'm happy to take them at plus one and a half. If you had them on the money line, God bless you. Good for you. Uh, in regard to the Hawks, uh, Young, man, damn it. Young, Young finished the game with 24 points. The over-under opened up at 26 and a half. Uh, at tip-off, it was 27 and a half. I did like the over. Unfortunately, obviously, that did not hit. Um, he was two for six from downtown, uh, but obviously in the fourth quarter had a, a really phenomenal game and uh, Atlanta outscored the Miami Heat 34 to 25 in the fourth quarter uh, to seal the deal in, uh, in, in win this game. So, uh, so at least Atlanta covered, uh, which is, uh, which is, which is great. So Atlanta, again, beating the Miami Heat 111 to 110. Uh, just to bring you up to score on, uh, or up to speed, I should say, on some of the other scores in or around uh, the Bucks still open up a can of you-know-what uh, against the Bulls. They're up 90-59. to 59. The fourth quarter just started there. 
the Suns up on the Pelicans, 23 to 18. So again, uh, keep you posted on on those as well as the box scores. If of course uh, you put some money down on some uh, some prop bets, but more importantly, uh, let's do a deeper dive in regard to the Boston Celtics and what's going on with the Nets. We just heard from Steve Nash. Uh, it doesn't sound he kind of uh, giggled. It, on on a on a, a question presented by one of the uh, the media reps there in regard to will Ben Simmons play tomorrow in Game Three doesn't sound like it. Everything that's been reported is that there's the possibility that he will play in Game Four. Hopefully that can happen. But uh, you know where where does this series stand right now? As we know, Boston is up two zero. Listen, I, I and and if you watch me on Daily Wager. I love I Boston had to be one of my favorite teams coming in full transparency. I'm going to toot my own horn here. I don't toot my horn that often, but when I'm, I I hit on something I do prior to the NBA season starting my matchup for the NBA championship was Miami heat against the golden state warriors. Okay. So I I know uh, Miami just lost to Atlanta. I still think, I still think the heat wins this series by the way. Okay. Um, I still think that that is a realistic possibility, especially with Devin Booker, who's out for the next few weeks. I do believe the Phoenix Suns win this series against the Pelicans. Um, I think a a lot is going to be riding on the next series and how quickly Booker can get back into action. We'll see what happens there. But how great the Golden State Warriors have been playing. I mean, they are dominating Denver right now. All three games. They are at full strength. Um, They won by 20 points on Monday. They've got unbelievable depth. Curry has been sensational. 34 points in 23 minutes the other night. Um, Poole put up 29 points. They're just... They, 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 the Golden State Warriors absolutely are peaking at the right time. Now, the value, if you want to wager on, on them, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to get it at plus money because A, they're playing so well. They've dominated Denver for three games. And now that Booker's injured, they're now favored to represent the West. Not only that, they're favored to win the championship. So we'll see what happens there. But in, in regard to this Boston Nets series, I just. I have felt that the Boston Celtics were the best team in the NBA since the All-Star break. Slow start to the season. I don't know, something something off, something not right with Tatum and Brown. But ever since the All-Star break, I, you know, listen, there, the season is long. There's an ebb and flow to a season when it comes to the NBA. We know it's a game of runs. There's so much that needs to happen. There's so much that needs to, to, to go right. Chemistry is such a huge factor in a team's success in the NBA for a variety of reasons. And I just feel like it just took a minute for Boston to kind of get into that that zone, get into that realm. And sure enough, offensively, they did. Averaging 120, 121 points a game since the All-Star break offensively and defensively top three defense in the NBA. Um, And now what we're hearing, this was reported, I want to say like around five o'clock this afternoon, Robert Williams is expected to play. Uh, in this game against the Nets tomorrow um, at the Clays. So, you know, he's been on the shelf for a hot second because of a knee injury. Uh, the the addition of White to their roster helped them not only offensively, but defensively as well. Marcus Smart, of course, wins Defensive Player of the Year. And now you get Robert Williams back? Are you kidding me? Katie's looked 
kind of off in this series. And, and a lot of it is, is the defense and, and the shifts that Boston does play. But as we know, the Nets, not a great home team, right? They've got a losing record here at home. Um, the defense that Boston has been playing has kind of kept Katie kind of like on his heels. Like he just, he looks like he's out of sorts. Meanwhile, Boston, they have 23 road wins. They've been playing unbelievable basketball since the All-Star break. They beat the Nets, by the way, twice this season at the Clays by a combined 58-point differential. Marinating that for a minute. They were down 17 points on Wednesday, came back to win. So you want to talk about a confidence level. I, I just, I, I think, I think, I think Boston checks all the boxes and dare I say sweep. Dare I say sweep of the Nets. This is the Weekend Wager with Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. The Bucks in the Bulls game is over. The Bucks win 111 to 81. Again, I liked the Bulls in this matchup tonight. I had the Bulls on the money line, so I called this one way wrong along with some of the profits. I thought uh, with no uh, Middleton, I, I, I thought more would be needed from uh, Giannis in regard to the paint. I had over 13 and a half rebounds. He only ended up with seven for, uh, for holiday whenever uh, in, in, in previous games where Middleton did not play holiday averaged 28 points a game. So I like the over at 21 and a half. He only had 16. Uh, so that did not bode well for me as at, at all. And last but not least uh, Caruso, um, he's been averaging two steals a game. He had zero tonight, zero steals from Caruso. He only played 26 minutes. He usually plays 30. Uh, I'm sure with uh, the fact of how this game went down in the sizable lead that the Bucks did have, a big reason why uh, Caruso did not play 30 minutes. He only played 26, but still uh, played 26 minutes and didn't even have one steal. Uh, not very typical of him. So uh, so nonetheless, uh, the Bulls lose. So uh, Milwaukee now leads the series 2-1. to one, uh, And we still have the Phoenix Suns-Pelicans game. About five minutes, uh, not even, 50 seconds left in the first half. Phoenix is up 55-48. to 48. Uh, I did like Phoenix in this matchup. Uh, I laid the one and a half. Also, I liked Cam Johnson uh, over 19 and a half points and rebounds combined. He's only played 11 minutes in this matchup, and he's got five points in, in one rebound. So um, obviously a, not, a lot needs to change in the second half in order for him to hit that prop bet, that's for sure. So hopefully there's not an injury issue there uh, for him to only play 11 minutes, especially with Devin Booker out. We'll see what happens in the second half. But nonetheless, uh, enough about the NBA. Let's talk about a heavyweight bout that is taking place tomorrow. You'll be able to watch it on ESPN Plus. Um, and that is uh, Tyson Fury's last dance, as many are calling it. He said that he's going to retire. He claims he is not coming back. Of course, we've heard that time and time again. But nonetheless, if this is true, this will be your last opportunity to see him fight. And he's going up against White. Uh, so, uh about three days a week, I, I host a digital show called Bet 
uh, with Tyler Fulgham from uh, from Daily Wager. Him and I were on today, and, and he had an opportunity to sit down with uh, Joe Tessitore, who's going to have the call for ESPN Plus in this boxing match. So let's listen in. The two gentlemen are going to break down this bout for us, just in case you wanted to throw some coin on this fight tomorrow. Let's listen in. Joe Tessitore, live from Wembley <laughs> Stadium, site of Fury and White, ESPN Plus pay-per-view Saturday evening. Joe Tess, we always appreciate you taking the time to join us here and breaking down the sweet science. I'm glad to be with you. I, you sound very excited for this heavyweight championship fight. You got some action rolling already, or are you going to get down on it? Well, I always wait to hear what Father Tess has to say. If he was a wagering man, he always offers up some good nuggets. So I'm trying to get those out of you right now and share them with the people here on Bet. Let's dive in, Joe Tess. Challenger Dillian White has waited more than 1,500 days for this bout with Tyson Fury. So for a guy who loves to mix it up like White, why did it take so long for these two to get inside the ring? Uh, Mostly because of the business of boxing, but that could be if you are a backer of white, if you're leaning white and you want to have something to believe in. The fact that he had to wait so long has really put a fire underneath him. In fact, uh, Wednesday, we were all out here on the pitch as they had their final press conference. And he directly went up to the head of the WBC, Mauricio Suleiman, and had a very strong conversation about that, about how taxing it's been mentally to wait his turn. He was the number one mandatory. He was set to fight Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder had other business, namely fighting Tyson Fury for tens of millions of dollars. Deontay Wilder then loses. So then he's got to wait his turn now and wait for Fury. They fight again. Then all of a sudden, when Dillian White has a stay busy fight coming out of the pandemic, he gets shockingly upset. He gets KO'd by Pavetkin when he was dominating the fight, had scored two knockdowns. So then he has to avenge that loss, knock out Pavetkin to get back in position. Fury has to fight the third fight with Wilder and thus the long wait to finally get to this point where you know he wants to get after it. Yeah, Joe Tess for Tyson Fury, the champ. This will be the first bout against anyone not named the aforementioned Deontay Wilder in more than two years. So what similarities or what glaring differences in fight style between White and Wilder will Fury have to contend with? Yeah, massive, massive difference stylistically and body type. Deontay Wilder is long and lean and wiry and generates power from long telegraphed right hands with a viper strike. In Dillian White, he's going up against a thick, big, thudding guy who can get to the inside with clubbing left hooks. This is a guy who is completely different in his physicality from Wilder. And that is why I believe Tyson Fury came in 13 pounds lighter than he did against Wilder because he learned against Wilder that if I come in at 277 pounds, 280 pounds, and just lean on him and just maul him on the inside and take advantage of being 50-plus pounds bigger, I'm going to wear him down. I'm going to win. Against White, he came in today at 264 pounds because he's going to want to box and be on his toes and utilize that 85-inch reach and a piston jab at least through the first four to five rounds of this fight and show more of the movement and skill, both with his footwork and his upper body, that we've been so blown away by Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury's six foot nine, and yet he fights like Muhammad Ali. He's got the movement of a middleweight. So it's completely different, and it's already affected this fight. 
light on the scale. He came in at 264 rather than upwards of 280 because of that difference. Yeah, not just top-notch analysis from Joe Tess, but it looks like you got a pretty mean left jab there and a nice little oh, that was, clubbing that was left hook. Way, is way that- back in the day. It's, I'm pathetic in the gym right now. Well, can't wait to hear you on the call. Do want to kind of dive in now to some of the ways that we can wager this uh, matchup here. Oddsmakers have this fight, Joe Tess, heavily skewed towards Fury at more than a $6 mm-hmm. favorite. But the betting by round gets pretty even juice as long as the fight makes it over seven and a half rounds. Do you think this fight makes it to at least the eighth round as you see some of the prices on six and a half, seven and a half, eight and a half, nine and a half, and ten and a half rounds? Yeah, I'm just glancing over there. Um, Listen, I think the total round number is about right. Um, I would not feel comfortable at six and a half. I'm I'm not comfortable at seven and a half. I start to get comfortable. Eight eight and a half is where I feel pretty good. And, um, you know, the under ten and a half, I'd feel really, really good. But obviously you're paying you're paying a premium for that. But, you know, I think I think both the Fury number and the total rounds number um, seem accurate, with the exception I do think you have a little bit of dead money and public number baked into Fury on the money line, just because he's a global superstar who's so well established. He's been on the biggest stage. He's been on the most heavily promoted fights globally. I mean, we forget, you know, in America that, that boxing is a wildly international sport. So, you know, fighters that we follow and where we think somebody's curating of fame and recall and recognition is Tyson Fury is worldwide famous, and because of that, you get a line that's affected. So you're paying a, a bit of a price at the minus $6, um, but I think the total is probably a little more accurate. All right, and let's just settle it this way, Joe Tess. This is purely a hypothetical. If, purely. if you were a wagering man, my friend, how would you yeah. wager this bout? <laughs> if I was a wagering man, how would I? Um... I really like the group <laughs> rounds on, on the prop bets of Fury by TKO or KO. Um, if I was advising somebody as to how to invest in the heavyweight championship of the world that you can see on ESPN Plus pay-per-view starting at 2 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, I would advise them to take the group rounds of 7 through 9 and a secondary bet of group rounds 10 through 12. Uh, I think you're getting a good price at about plus 360 there, upwards of plus 500 if you like a little later. But I really would dial in on rounds 7 through 9, Fury by KOTKO. That's where I would advise somebody to place their wager. All right, and I heard some crinkling there. I'm imagining those weren't parking tickets over for Wembley. Maybe some uh, some dead presidents. I don't know, but cannot wait to hear our father, Joe Tessator, on the call. Tyson Fury, Dillian White, ESPN Plus pay-per-view tomorrow, Saturday, April 23rd, at a store at Wembley Stadium. Joe Tess, always a pleasure chatting with you. Great to visit with you. Get hot, stay hot. Joe and Tyler breaking it down, getting you ready for that boxing match tomorrow. Again, you'll be able to watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, so get all over that. This is the Weekend Wager with Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Everything that I'm hearing is that the Giants are going to trade one of those picks. Uh, it'll be interesting, obviously, how, how the board uh, pans out and, you know, Giants are going to have to make a, a quick decision at five. Is there going to be a player that's uh, that's still on the board that they covet? Um, 
Or is somebody going to make them a, a tremendous offer that they can't refuse at five? I do. I think I think they draft a player at five, and I think they trade the seven. That's what I think is going to happen. Uh, but again, you know, somebody could somebody could come in and and you know make them a tremendous offer for the five and and trade the five, and and maybe the player that you know they covet and they really want they still they feel would still be available at seven, and so we'll see how it all pans out. But before we, we do a deeper dive into the draft, and again, Steve Verderosa, former scout for the Giants, is going to be joining us in our next segment, so definitely stay tuned for that. Um, I, I do want to talk about uh, what's going on in, in, in golf right now. So you've got the Zurich Classic of New Orleans taking place at TPC Louisiana. And uh, this is a fun event. It's uh, it's a two man crew, so you've got you've got guys that have teamed up to play with one another. And right now, Cantlay and Shoffley are at the top of the leaderboard at 17 under combined. They shot a 59 on Thursday and a 68 today. So um, and and no surprise, they were favored coming in to uh, to this tournament. Um, you know, when they've played before, this isn't the first time that they've played as partners before they've done well. So, and, and they're favored to win. You could get them to win at plus plus one twenty-five. I, I just don't think those odds are, are great. Um, if you played Cantley and Shoffley, then chances are, you know, if, if you played them before the tournament began, obviously you got better odds at plus one twenty-five. I just don't think that's the play, especially considering there's a few uh, teams that are on their coattails. Ryder and Redmond are at 16 under. Lipsky and Rye as well are 16 under. Um, Higo and Grace are 15, along with Clark and Tringali. Uh, but the team that I'm eyeing, they're tied for six. They're 14 under, and that's Billy Horschel as well as Sam Burns. This is the team that I liked coming in. I put money down on them to win. In fact, I picked them in my uh, golf survivor pool. And sure enough, you could get them to win at six to one. You could get them to finish in the top five at minus 140. Uh, and I think those uh, to win, obviously, at six to one, obviously better odds than Cantley and Choffley at plus 125. I think it's going to come down to these two uh, twosomes uh, this weekend. So um, so that's where my money would be riding right now. If you're looking to put some money down on, on a twosome heading into the weekend action, it would be on Billy Horschel and Sam Burns again at six to one. That's what I would do. 800-919-3776, the phone number you want to jump on board. We've got a few minutes before Steve Verderosa joins us here on 98.70 ESPN. Also, to bring you up to speed on on what's going on in the NBA, uh, right now the Suns and the Pelicans at the half. The Suns are up 59-48. to 48. Um You've got Chris Paul. He's got seven points, eight assists on the night. Uh, in regard to uh, rebounds, Aiton has seven rebounds on the night. Cam Johnson, I was expecting a bigger night from him. Right now, he's only played 11 minutes, so I'm curious if there's an injury here that he's dealing with or not. Can't be sure, but only five points in one rebound. He's typically the guy, games that Booker has not been able to play in. Cam Johnson has been the guy that has stepped in and has played a significant amount of minutes, but obviously that's not the case right now. And uh, considering that I've been hosting the show since... 10 o'clock, I have not had an opportunity to really listen to the commentating and see if there is an injury taking place. Um, 
Ingram for the Pelicans has 13 points, five rebounds, and McCollum, 12 points and three assists. The over-under on his assists was five and a half, so uh, you've got a whole other half of basketball to be taking place, so I do expect McCollum at least to, uh, to, to hit that prop bet for sure, so uh, keep you posted there as well. But again, before we bring in uh, Steve Verderosa to join on the show, uh, let, let's talk about the NFL and, and, and let's talk about the draft. You know, obviously, uh, the big topic of, of conversation, especially as we get closer to the first round, which will be Thursday, I can't believe it will be here before we know it. I'm actually heading out to Las Vegas on Tuesday. I'll be there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so I'm really excited about that. But this is the first time in a long time that the number one overall pick isn't a guarantee. Like we knew, right? Like we knew last season that Trevor Lawrence was going to be it. We knew that Trevor Lawrence was going to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was going to be the number one overall pick. And, 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 and we had kind of an idea of how at least the first 10 picks were, were going to pan out. Let's be honest. I mean, we, we, we really don't know. Um, you know, I, I'm going to, as we get closer to the draft, I, I'm going to make some, some calls and, and try to talk to some folks, some scouts in around the NFL and, and get a better grip. But like, for example, no one really knows who's going to be the number one overall pick. Uh, it, it's it, one, one of, one of three things are going to happen. Um, I, I do believe that the number one pick is either going to be Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker. I think it's going to be one of those two guys. But who are they going to go to? Because everything I'm hearing is that Jacksonville is dying to trade that number one pick. They're solid on the defensive line. They have so many holes. They have so many issues. They need, you know, they want to, they want to stockpile. They want, they want, and, and this is a really deep draft in a number of key positions. Wide receiver, um, so offensive line, so... Uh, Jacksonville wants to trade that number one overall pick. We'll see if they're, they'll be able to do it. Um, if they are, if they do trade it, who do they trade to? And, you know, and, and, and who do you, who do you covet? Who do you want? Is it Hutchinson? Is it Walker? Um, you know, is it Thibodeau? Uh, more and more as we get closer to the draft, I, I'm, I'm hearing less and less about Thibodeau for, for a, a good two weeks. Um, about two months ago for a good two weeks, I was hearing that Thibodeau was going to be the number one player taken, but that's not the case anymore, especially Trayvon Walker. Uh, he blew teams away, scouts away, owners away, uh, general managers away in his, uh, his pro day and his workouts. So, but again, really excited to talk to Steve Rotorosa. We're going to do a deep dive into a number of these defensive linemen, but a def- defensive lineman is expected to go number one overall. Then after that, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Hutch- Hutchinson and then Walker or Walker and Hutchinson. I, I wouldn't be surprised if two defensive linemen go first and second. And then you've got a number of great offensive linemen that are going to be on the board that a num- number of teams are going to want, right? Uh, the Texans for sure. The Jets for sure. The Giants right there. Texans, Jets, Giants. Three teams right there that you know um, – are in need of and are going to want some offensive line help. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm not sitting here anticipating three offensive linemen to go one, two, and three, but uh, what's the first, who's the first offensive lineman I expect to be taken. Um, 
and that's Iquanu. I, I think Iquanu will be the first offensive lineman taken. I think, um, you know, when you when you look at all three of these guys, Iquanu, Neil Cross, uh, they all they all have some some issues. Uh, they're not not you know, all, there's not one of the three that's absolutely checks all the boxes and is flawless. But out of the three, I, I do believe Iquanu is the best in regards to size, strength, the fact that he can play guard, he can play tackle, you can put him anywhere on the offensive line. So I do believe Iquanu will be the first offensive lineman taken. Uh, and we'll see. Does he go to the Texans? Does he drop to the Jets? Are the Giants able to land him at five? I don't believe he is still on the board at five. Um, and then there's Neil, and of course there's Cross. A lot of people feel that Cross is the best tackle in this draft in regard to his athleticism and his feet work. I don't believe that Cross goes in the top five. Also, I'd be surprised if Cross goes in the top ten. Um, but uh, but those those are your three top offensive linemen in the draft. And and then there's a num- number of of other players like Kyle Hamilton, a safety out of Notre Dame, who. I'm hearing a lot of negativity about in in regard to his lack of of coverage, uh, cover 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 ability. Is that even a word? Um, great box safety, great against the run, not good against the pass. Um, a horrible forty time. And let's be honest, the NFL now is a passing league, so you're drafting a safety who's not great in coverage. Um, that could be an issue for sure. Uh, when you look at the quarterbacks and, and not that the jets or the giants are in the market for a quarterback. Um, but Willis is getting, getting a lot of love from Liberty. Pickett is getting a lot of love from Pittsburgh. Uh, but the one quarterback that uh, you want to keep your eyes and ears on, especially if you're gambling on the draft. And that is Sam Howell, uh, quarterback from UNC. From the minute he stepped foot on uh, the Tar Heels campus, he immediately was the starter. He started for three years, passed for over 10,000 yards, over 90 touchdowns, uh, less than 25 interceptions, ran the ball extremely well last year because uh, they uh, they lost two of their top running backs to the draft. And he actually had the same rushing stats as Willis did in Liberty. Uh, but nobody's really talking about Sam Howell. And also keep in mind, little little nugget here, and, and for folks might be aware of this, but for teams who draft a quarterback in the first round, you get that fifth-year option. And so for a quarterback, like all these quarterbacks that are coming out this year are projects. Not one of these quarterbacks are immediately plug-and-play in. Not to say that they it won't happen, but plug-and-play in and, and have an immediate response and uh, to, uh, to, to a team's success in the NFL. So with that being said, I, I do believe that Sam Howell will go in the first round for a team maybe that uh, sneaks in kind of like what we saw with Lamar Jackson and the, in, the, in the Baltimore Ravens, a team sneaking in to the bottom of the first round to draft Howell in the first round so they get that fifth-year option, knowing that he's uh, somewhat of a development. This is the Weekend Wager with Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.